0: Well, hello and welcome to the August 2018 podcast. Excellent to have you along as always. You know, I was thinking the other day about why people get involved in magic. Obviously, I was thinking about how and why I got involved, but also reflecting on what it is, perhaps... That makes other people want to get involved in something that is pretty nuts when you think about it. I mean we you know we, we go and stand in front of people and we say and do one thing while secretly doing something else in an attempt to entertain them but also to fool them. Where's the logic in that? But there are I think quite a lot of different reasons why people might want to get involved in magic. I mean one of the reasons might be ego. You think about what magic is. It's something that very few people, generally speaking, know how to do. And so if you're somebody who can show others that you can do it and that you can do it well, it can be a tremendous boost to your ego. It can make you feel very special, a real one-off. And I think for some people, um, having other people saying, oh, that's amazing, oh, that's wonderful, and having that constant ego massage... Is something that is very important to them it's important to them to their f- feelings of uh, of being successful and of being thought um, well of by other people and so that might be one reason why people get involved in magic then again maybe it's to do with money uh, you know people who do magic either professionally or semi-professionally obviously are going to earn money doing it And although for a lot of people it may not be their main job, it will nevertheless perhaps be providing holiday money, pin money, or simply extra money to put back into magic again to go to conventions and and buy new magic props and so on. And so as a way of generating some extra income, maybe that's the reason why people get involved in magic. It could be to do with being famous. I mean, you think of how famous some of the top performers around the world are, either amongst magicians or amongst the general public, of course, if they are out to entertain the, the, uh, with shows ideally for lay people. So um, there's a tremendous amount of um, fame that can be generated by this, again, because what we do is unusual. And probably if you're a good magician and you get your publicity right, it's easy to or easier, let's put it that way, perhaps to become quite famous compared to, say, a singer when there is so much competition and and where there are so many others who are doing the same thing. So it could be because of self-esteem. I, I think for me, magic was a help with my self-esteem. When I, when I was young, I was very, very shy as a young kid. Um, wouldn't talk to anybody didn't really have any sort of social skills interactive skills I think a lot of people who get into magic are like this because we get to realize that well look if I can take this card trick and I can practice it up and then I can say so look, let me show you something and you show them something and they go how oh, no, did you do that it gives you a way of relating to people but not actually having to have a conversation with them as such because what you're doing is you're performing Something that you have practiced in advance, and then you are presenting rather than just an obviously free and open conversation. And I think that then does, because your self-esteem is improved by that, because people like what they hopefully what they see. Then it does help you to gain more self-confidence, and so then in the end you do become a more rounded human being who can have conversations with people. Then, of course, there are a lot of people, I guess, who get into magic because it's just so much fun. I mean, most of us are, well, not necessarily comedians, but we certainly use a lot of comedy in our magic. And that is fun to present. And people who watch it have a lot of laughs, and they then find you a fun person. And that you feed off that. You The more that you get that adrenaline rush of making people laugh, the more you want to do it. And learning magic and performing magic can be just so much fun. So that might be another reason why people get involved. Another reason is because magic's exciting. I mean, it's different, isn't it? I mean, I know we all get our buttons pushed with different things. There are some people who find fly fishing exciting. Personally, it would send me to sleep. But there are a lot of other people who find that very exciting but magic with it in its many facets, whether it's performing or watching or learning or creating, it is a very exciting process. And because it's all part of show business and it's part of, of um, entertainment generally, it has an exciting aura about it. And that is very attractive. Of course, it could be that the reason that you are involved in magic is because you kind of always have been Right from when you were a child, when you first played around with a few tricks from a magic set or a magic book that you were given for Christmas, you've just always done it. It's kind of become who you are. It defines your personality to a certain extent. And so because you've always done it, you see no reason to stop all the time you can keep on doing it you do. And of course, that's why for many of us, it is a lifelong interest, something that never dwindles. And even if we lose the ability to perhaps, to a certain extent, to go out and perform or or the desire to go out and perform um, commercially, there's still a huge amount um, that magic can give us. And because we've always done it, we just want to continue doing it. And another reason is that magic is endlessly fascinating. It's, it's not like there's a finite amount of knowledge. It is, in fact, almost like an organic thing. It's constantly changing and morphing and expanding. As new people come into the art with new ideas and new ways of doing things are discovered and are, and are put out there for everybody to enjoy, then it's, it, it sort of makes you feel that you're involved in something that is never-ending. You never get to the end of it. And that's great. It's not like you reach a point where you basically learned everything. I often think that with um, with sort of top sports people, like tennis players or something, they, if, when you get to number one in the world, you've reached the pinnacle. Yes, you can still perhaps improve a bit, but basically there's nowhere else to go. You are number one. Whereas I think with magic, it's not quite like that. There's always some other avenue. And if you got bored with doing just mentalism, you can change to a completely different form of magic and do children's entertainment or or become a close-up magician or or whatever so it's endlessly fascinating it also i think for a lot of people it creates a friendship group you if you join a magic club um, or you just have a a series of of acquaintances that you've gradually put, put together through contact with other magicians and you suddenly realize that your best friends and the friends you've had for the longest amount of time are often magicians so that's another reason why people stay in magic, because it's something you have a common interest with lots of other people. And there's also, I think, another element of magic. There's a, a technical fascination for some people, how things work. You know, if, if you are technically minded, some of the ingenious pieces of apparatus that have been designed over the years are interesting in themselves. Sometimes I'm sure people go to, um, say, conventions or lectures on the history of magic, and you're shown automata or various other types of apparatus that are no longer used. But they're technically fascinating how people have devised these things to achieve certain ends. Um, And that can be very interesting. And it also presents, in many ways, a challenge to us all. The technical side of magic, whether it be sleight of hand or the building of a special prop, that in itself is a reason for getting involved in magic. So it could be that some of these apply to you, maybe lots of them, maybe all of them apply to you. I know some of them have certainly applied to me, and I'm just thankful that magic exists. Because quite frankly, you know, given the amount of uh, fun and excitement and pleasure that I've had out of magic. Um, over the years, I can't imagine there being anything else out there that would be quite so fulfilling. One of the people in magic who I have a lot of respect and indeed time for is Duncan Trillo. His Magic Week website, which he updates religiously every Saturday morning, every single week, with all of its UK and worldwide news and information, is a minor miracle. I mean, it's been going nearly 20 years and, it, and it's one of those things that in a way has become a fabric probably of a lot of magicians' lives that they routinely will go and look on Magic Week and will enjoy all the information. And in the same way that before Magic Week came along, starting in back in the 1940s, Goodliff's um, weekly magic magazine, Abracadabra, provided the same sort of service. Every Saturday morning there it would be on the doormat And you'd excitedly open it up and you'd read all the latest news. And because it was published every week, it was very up to date. Of course, Magic Week, because it's digital, is even easier to update. You can get something that's come in literally moments before you go live with it and you can add it if you want to. And so it's a tremendous resource. And I'm sure as magicians who use it every week, we we take it for granted. Well, of course, there are... There is uh, a cost, if you like, to this. All the information that Duncan provides on his website is free. And he has stated um, on more than one occasion that he intends never to ring-fence any of the information and make you pay for it, which is very laudable. But of course, it it is a business for him. It's very time-consuming. And the amount of commitment and the way he has to work his life around it in order to make it constantly updated once a week, every week. That takes money and obviously the money comes from the advertisers, but sometimes that isn't quite enough. It's like with any printed magazine. It's the same thing, that your advertisers are the lifeblood of your magazine along with obviously the sales, but the the advertisers themselves are the ones that really help you to actually function. And it's the same for Duncan with Magic Week. He needs advertisers in order to to function and to have enough money to run the whole enterprise. So it was interesting to see that he started something called Magic Week Backer. You can become a Magic Week Backer. And what he's basically doing, he's saying, look, I'm I'm not going to charge anybody to, to get the information that I put on Magic Week, but I would like to encourage people if they would like to to support Magic Week by either a weekly a monthly or a yearly if you like voluntary donation you're actually backing the site putting in a little bit of money doesn't have to be a lot but just putting in some money to make sure that it can continue exactly as it is uh, I think it's a very interesting idea very interesting premise and um, and it could be something that, um, that others might try, but certainly Duncan's the first to try it because um, there, is, there are one or two other websites that do similar things. There's, there are, I mean, Wikipedia is an example of this. All the information on Wikipedia is free, but once a year, if they know that you've used Wikipedia, you will get an email saying, listen, this information, it is all free, but can you help us to keep it all going? Just make a contribution of this, this, or this, or any amount that you feel is appropriate. And I find myself doing it because I use Wikipedia. It is very useful to to have. And it's the same with with Duncan Trillo's Magic Week. So if you value the information that he gives and that you want to use it, then maybe you could become a magic scene backer too. I mean, he's not asked me to talk to you about this, but I, I, I wanted to because I'm hoping that People will feel, do you know what? I would like it to keep going. It is only fair that uh, we help it to exist. And if he's not going to charge, I don't mind making a voluntary contribution. So go to magicweek.co.uk to get more information and um, and also hopefully to become a Magic Week backer. Now I'm a big football fan, soccer that is to our American listeners. And uh, and so when the World Cup came along between June and July of this year, I was excited and I think I watched a lot of it and it, it it was excellent. I thought it was a really good World Cup. But one of the things, the offshoots of a big event such as this that is really irritating is the way some companies and advertisers generally try to kind of use the World Cup as a way of getting interest in their product or services there's nothing wrong with that as such and obviously any any sort of business that's directly concerned with issues to do with the world cup such as for instance online betting agencies and things like that obviously they're going to talk about the world cup it's not so much that i find car dealerships who suddenly will get their um, ad agency to come up with some half-baked um sort of reference along the lines of World Cup or football generally and it's really quite tedious and I don't know whether you find this but I do I find this really tedious and in fact I think it's counterintuitively negative because it seems to me like lazy advertising oh the world Cups on okay we'll we'll chuck in a few references and puns on football surely you could do better than that can't you because with the frequency, particularly of things like radio adverts, but TV to a certain extent, but certainly on the radio, radio adverts get repeated so often that it grates on you. If you don't like it, it grates on you. And I find, personally, it kind of puts me off the company. Well, I'm not doing business with them, because that is just irritating. Uh, some people will say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what publicity, as long as people remember it, it doesn't matter whether it irritates them or not. Well, I don't entirely agree with that. Yes, all right, people might remember that it was irritating and therefore remember the company, but does it make you want to do business with them? Surely that's the final test of all of this. And certainly for me, I found it very tiresome. And and it did make me think that as magicians, when we are putting together our publicity, I mean, not so much on radio or television, because most of us don't do that, but any form of um, advertising, whether it's on our website or whether it's in printed publications or whatever it is, the temptation to jump on the latest bandwagon uh, as if we're being so clever and so original might actually be counterproductive because people will think, well, that's not that clever, actually, because everybody's doing that. And rather than you marking yourself out as being somebody really in, in, sort of in contact with what's going on in the world, it can just make you look like you're trying to cash in on something that you have absolutely nothing to do with. So I think sometimes having a little bit more originality in your publicity um, is not a bad thing. This month I'm releasing a new ebook. It's the fourth volume of the Collected Carb Magic of Mark Leverage. It's quite funny actually because I've been meaning to uh, bring this to market for what I thought was quite a lot of months. Turns out when I actually looked it was five years. The third volume of the four-volume set appeared in 2013. And I thought, well, you know, give it a year and then bring the next one out. And for one reason or another, being too busy, changing my business model and one thing and another, I've simply not got round to it. And finally, despite promising myself that I would do this, Last year and earlier this year, I finally got round to it. I'm very pleased that I have, because the 10 card routines that are included in the fourth volume are really, really strong, I think. Um, Routines such as Impossible which is, a, I think, a wonderful walkabout two-deck trick, which doesn't need a reset. Tricks like that, the invisible deck routine, which is one of my classic routines um, that's designed for uh, stand-up work. Other routines like this, they're all very solid pieces of magic. And so I'm really pleased to bring them all together. And some of them are more modern than others. Some of them I used to sell as standalone products, but you can easily make them up yourself. I think it makes a very strong final volume in this four volume set. The e-book only costs £10 and it's available now for my website. Please do just go and have a look uh, and see, look at the contents because I've described each of the routines and as with all the other magic and all the other three volumes, whereas card magic is, is often full, card magic books and DVDs are often full of minor finesses and handling changes. What I'm offering you are ten solid tricks, routines. They're not particularly difficult to do. That some will take a little bit of practice, but there's there's nothing too onerous. and And I like to think that all the magic in there is something you said. You know, I can do that, and that you will then go out and do it. So it's the fourth volume then of the collected card magic of Mark v- Leverage, and that's available right now. I have um, a number of um, close friends in magic who um, I love to have telephone conversations with when I haven't seen them for a while. And sometimes it's amazing that you don't realise just how long you've been on the phone. And one of the recent conversations lasted three hours, which uh, it didn't feel like three hours but it was three hours. And the two of us covered a whole wide range of magical bits and pieces in the course of the conversation. And we're both table-hopping magicians. And um, we ended up, at one point, discussing all the things about table-hopping that people who don't do that type of magic probably don't realise that you're having to cope with. Because the vast majority of the difficulties or problems or things that you, you, you need to be able to deal with are absolutely nothing to do with the actual magic tricks themselves, uh, you know it's a given, I guess, that you can um, you can perform these under most conditions, and that technically you know how what you're doing, and you're not going to forget a trick halfway through or something. But there are lots of other things all around the actual performance, which the table hopping magician, especially the commercial one, doing say like let's say a big corporate dinner or something like that, that you're having to um, get over hurdles that you're having to get over and deal with in order to get to the magic i mean a few of the things that we were talking about we were talking about heat how hot it gets Uh, i'm not just talking about in the summer well in in the summer uh, when you're doing a dinner um, that it's, it's it's fairly unbearable if the place doesn't have air conditioning and a lot of hotels especially in the uk still don't have effective air conditioning Or if it's in a a marquee tent in the middle of a field somewhere and it's late evening and it's been heated up to 100 degrees by the sun all day. But the actual heat of a meal, if it's a hot meal, when that main course comes out and all of a sudden there are 100 plates of steaming food, it's amazing how much that raises the temperature in the room. And of course, you, when you're performing, get warm and sometimes very hot Anyway, if you then add the ambient temperature on top of that, you find that your hands are sticky, you're sweating profusely. It's really not pleasant at all. But you still have to be able to perform the various moves um, if you're doing moves. And that can be tricky. Uh, Something as simple as you have something in your pocket, you go to get it. And because your, your leg is, let's say it's a trouser pocket and your leg is hot, And your hand is sticky. You put your hand in your pocket and grab the thing. And as you pull the object out of your pocket, you pull the lining of the pocket out with it because it's stuck to everything because it's so hot. So you have to learn to cope with things like that. Then, of course, there's things like interruptions. There are constant interruptions. Unlike, let's say, a cabaret performer or when you're doing a close-up show where you have a half an hour, 45 minutes in which to to perform a set um, act, when you're a, a, a table hopping or strolling magician of course you, you're doing little shows lots and lots of little shows and therefore and, and often it's in a very informal atmosphere um, and so interruptions can happen a lot people, if it's a strolling thing and you and you people are all standing new people can join the group other people can walk away from the group without so much as a by your leave and if you're at a dinner then suddenly the meal can arrive in the middle of your act or again somebody could join the table a wine waiter could come to start taking orders for wine anybody need wine or somebody if it's a charity event somebody might come to the table and in the middle of your act without asking you will start trying to sell raffle tickets for some of the prizes all all these sort of things these interruptions are constantly going on and it's no good you suddenly sort of having to stop and then suddenly forgetting where you are in the middle of a trick suddenly you're in the middle of a trick and somebody starts to make a speech and it goes on for five minutes, or an announcement on a microphone, well you need to be able to come straight back and carry on where you left off, and that isn't always easy if you don't know what you're doing. Sometimes it's incredible the limit that there is on the space around the tables. They they put the tables in, and when there's nobody in the room, you think oh this looks okay, but then of course people come into the room, they pull the chair back to sit down, and then you get the two tables that are effectively next to each other the chair backs are pulled out for people to sit down there's literally virtually no room between the two chair backs because for the people to be able to sit at the table they've had to pull them out so cramped conditions can be a real problem you can't get to your pockets easily without elbowing somebody in the face for instance and you have to learn how to deal with these cramped conditions and make sure that the magic that you do is not compromised by this lack of space. Then of course you have distracted spectators because there's so much at a big dinner going on. There might be, well, the things I've already mentioned such as meals arriving and things like that. But there are other things too. that could be background music going on. It could be somebody from another table suddenly wanders over and they, they don't seem to notice that you're performing at a table. They just barge in and start talking to someone. Oh, John, how are you? And start a conversation. You think, Sorry, excuse me, act on, you know, they don't seem to realise very distracting atmosphere people are moving about a lot going out for comfort breaks or to have a cigarette or whatever it's it it is very distracting then of course there's always the, the the issue about tables being cleared and tables being served out of sequence I mean one of the things I've always tried to do is to find out what sequence they're going to order they're going to go to the tables in what order they'll go to the tables in so that if I know they're starting at one end and working in a logical fashion down the room then I know roughly how long it's going to be before my table is going to be approached by somebody bearing plates of food but sometimes you, you you find this out and then you discover that the whole system goes completely to pot and what they've the order they've said they're going to do things they don't do them in them you think, well hang on a minute you said you were going to go now suddenly they're dotting around all over the place so you you have to be able to cope with that and it's so all, these are the sort of things that are constantly you're having to deal with and rushing in order to to get through all the tables before the band or the disco starts you don't want to leave a load of tables unentertained but on the other hand you can't really entertain them if a disco suddenly blasting out and all the lights have gone down so many elements of all this and as i say none of this has got anything to do with the actual technical side of the magic it's all to do with the extraneous things around the magic because performing strolling magic or or table hopping magic it is extremely difficult to do it well the conditions that you're expected to perform in of course are often out of your control and you have to be very adaptable i think in order to not only deal with all of these problems as and when they occur, but to still on top of that, produce a professional and entertaining performance. I'm not sure why we do it really. Well, I suppose the reason we do it is because once you get used to doing it, it's actually quite a lot of fun. Uh, And also it pays well. But uh, it's certainly something that uh, I think people who haven't done it don't always realise the difficulties that are involved. As the editor and co-owner of Magic Scene Magazine, I get to see a lot of the latest products that are being released onto the marketplace because obviously we review them in the magazine and all the products come to me first and I distribute them to the review team and I am part of that team as well so I will do some of the reviews too. And obviously these days it's probably true to say that there's virtually no product that that arrives that comes with printed instructions anymore. Everything is either a download, downloadable video or PDF, or sometimes not even that. It's a video that you simply watch, but you can't download. And in a way, it, this is something that has gradually happened over the last few years. As producers of Magic Tricks realised that, well actually, producing printed instructions... Uh, is a costly and time consuming exercise, and that it's actually easier to make often to make with the availability of technology these days to make a downloadable set of instructions uh, so you don't have to constantly run off new instructions or to make um, video. So, the customers, whether they like it or not, have had to get used to this. And I, and I have to say that although I, I think it's a bit of a shame in one way, I can see the benefits in another and um, And in fact, it was based on the fact that I felt that customers now kind of expected to be able to get instant instructions that, in, that gave me the confidence to change my entire business over to a digital transference of the information to customers, whether it be through ebooks, downloadable video, downloadable audio, um, all these vi- all these various ways of electronically passing the information on to a customer. Well, Mott Magic now is entirely done in that way. There are no physical products at all. So I don't know whether customers, all customers like this, possibly not, because I know a lot of customers used to collect sort of instruction sheets and put them in binders or in folders and refer to them. And you certainly do wonder with um, video that is not downloadable, so in other words, you basically go to, um, a br- on your browser, you go to a particular place on the web and you can watch and learn the instructions, but you never actually own it. Um, I think that is is a bit tricky because how do you know that that is always going to be there? You know, If you come back to that trick even in two years' time, but say five, six, seven years' time, how are you going to know that the video is still going to be there? How do you know that company is still going to be there if you don't own and actually have the download, What are you going to do if you want to look those instructions up again? But in many other ways, of course, it has meant that people can get instant access to instructions. Videos um, are much more prevalent, so people can get better, hopefully get better instruction generally, because some of the old written instructions were really not very good. So I guess it's here to stay, and it's something that we we all have got used to and will no doubt continue um, to use as a way of getting instructions for the magic that we buy. Well, that's another podcast done. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you found the various uh, sort of topics interesting and worth listening to. And I will look forward, if you're going on holiday this month, have a good time. And I will look forward to uh, being back here for another selection of topics in September. Have a good month. Bye for now.